0: All right. I caught it. Sweet. Okay. Let's get the video going. Uh, There we are. All right. Dr. Jones, what do you got for us this week?
1: Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Those of you who have been following me on this uh, chat uh, know that I was in uh, Carmel, California, a famous uh, house, the D.L. James house, And uh, if you watch that podcast, I sat out on the balcony there and uh, basically tried to turn around and give you some indication of what that house was like because it was such a beautiful house. Uh, I did this on the heels of uh, writing the book, The Dangers of Beauty, uh, which is now available. Uh, And it was doing that book that allowed me to to enter more deeply into that experience. Uh, One one of the things I talked about uh, in that book was the development of photography and the crisis this created for the fine arts, specifically in France. Uh, During the 1820s, 1830s, two men, uh, one of whom died early, but the other one, whose name was Louis Daguerre, started experimenting with uh, silver salts, putting them on uh, pieces of copper, and then exposing them to the light. And they found that it created an image uh, because silver is uh, is light sensitive. And uh, as they developed this, this was about the 1830, let's say, over the 1830s, it got more and more sophisticated. And the crisis was uh, basically uh, the crisis of mimesis. Uh, Art is imitation of nature uh everyone knew that you had to have a mind to imitate nature before this but now people weren't so sure maybe you could create a machine there's always this ongoing crisis of uh is man a machine and can we have a machine that's going to replace man and uh during this i got to, uh, during the period of uh, writing this book i got into heated discussions with a lot of different people about uh saying that a, a machine is not a mind and a machine Can't produce art. You can't have you can have reproduction with a machine, but you can't have mimesis because in order to have mimesis, you have to have a mind. And so to illustrate that, I mentioned this book, Logos Rising. Can you put this on the there? There we are. Okay. Now, this is a the the man who did the cover here is my grandson, Tim Jones. Uh, But I came up with the idea, he did the execution, and the idea was, uh, how am I going to talk about something as abstract as Logos? How the hell am I ever going to talk about this? What image can I possibly come up with? And I was riding home uh, from Mass one day, and I'm heading east, and there is the sun in the sky rising up, and I thought, that's the idea. It's the sun rising. It's logos rising, and I said, "That's the image that I want." Well, that's great, uh, but wh- what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Let's get more specific. And at that point, I had to put an image together. This is the image on the book. This is what I told my grandson, uh, that is based on my experience. So, first of all, what is my experience? Uh, the sun coming up, and specifically uh, in the summer, I row in the morning and in the early part of the spring uh, and toward the early part of the fall, when I turn around uh, on my five-mile row, I'm facing east, I'm in Mishawaka, and the sun comes up. And so that's the middle, that's that image right there. It's the sun coming up over the water, over the St. Joe River. That's part of my experience. But that's not the only part of the experience here. Uh, The other part is, Taking walks in winter, which I take along the St. Joe River. I can't row anymore. It's too cold, too much ice. And when you walk in winter, you have this experience of the twilight and the buildings. And the, when the, building, the twilight comes, the buildings have this yellow light with the windows. That's the winter experience. I put both of these together. Now, there's no camera in the world that can take this image because it doesn't exist in nature. It does exist in nature to some extent because I've just told you why and where, but to put them two together, you need the mind. and if I were an artist I could have done it myself, but I had to convey that idea to my grandson so that he could come up with that image. So I concluded that there's no way that a camera could have come up with that image because that image exists in my mind based on experience. And I'm saying generalizing from that, I'm saying, no camera can imitate nature it can take a reproduction of nature but then I got this picture I finished the article on the DL James house it's going to be in the September issue of culture wars we finished it today Elisa and I went through the layout and we put a number of pictures in uh, the text have been done earlier this week we went through the pictures did the layout and these are some of the pictures I just got just before we went to before or just about the time I finished the article, I got these pictures. All
0: right.
1: This picture. Now, let's look at this picture here. Can 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 you see what's going on? It looks small to me. Can you is this something we can goes out of okay? Let's do it that way. Now, this is semi-moi c'est, c'est ma femme. This is me and this is my wife we are sitting in the dl james house and this is a window and that is what you see when you look out of that window now that window the architecture there is a work of art uh, art is imitation of nature the architecture here has framed that that beautiful picture of the pacific ocean it has framed it and it's brought it into focus and this is it created a work of art out of nature simply by framing the picture. And that is similar to what a camera does. You have no you know you have no control other than the frame over what's going to appear in this in this window. This is by the way, when you walk into the DL James house, the entrance, you look through that when you open the front door, you see directly to this window. It's one of those most stunning, entrances I've ever experienced in a house. And so it naturally leads to a sense of contemplation. The beautiful thing about this house is no no matter what the weather is like, you can contemplate nature. So if it's sunny out and you want to be outside, you just walk out the door and there you are overlooking this vast expanse of the Pacific Ocean. But if you're in Carmel, uh, the the fog is a big uh, aspect of the weather there. Because that water out there is cold; it's 50 degrees basically all year round. And when it it creates fog, and when the fog comes in, it doesn't rain that much. Suddenly, you feel like being indoors. You so you retreat indoors, and you look out through that frame, and you see nature has, has been turned into a work of art. Great, but is this picture a work of art? Now, there's a little bit of drama here in the two figures. Uh, me and my wife uh we are both reduced to a kind of contemplative state and that adds a little drama to the thing but it's not focused this is this is the way it is it's not the way it should be there is not there is not a it's kind of there implicitly but it's not there explicitly there's there's not enough focus in this thing i would say that makes it a work of art let's go to the next one same thing, except that now there's a little more drama because my wife is holding something in her hand, and I'm looking at her hand. I'm, I'm I'm drawn out of that contemplative state and I'm looking into her hand and suddenly her hand now becomes the focus of the picture. Well, you just lost what's behind you. That becomes irrelevant to the drama that's going on here. And so there's no what should I say? It's not unified. You don't know, you don't, when you look at something like this, you don't know what's going on here. What am I supposed to look at? Am I supposed to look at that beautiful view in the back? Or am I supposed to look at this little drama? Like, uh, like, here's your pill. I don't know what's, what's in her hand. I don't know. I don't remember what she's showing me here. I picked this off the rug. Uh, It's your, it's a a, a diamond. I found uh, the hope diamond I found lying on the rug. And now we're rich and we don't have to work anymore. We don't know. It's not focused, it's just not there, you don't understand the point of this, and that's why it's not art. It's not art, It's, a be- it's there's, a, there's beauty, there are elements of beauty there, certainly the architecture, certainly the view of the Pacific, certainly human interest, but it doesn't come together, there's no unity, okay? Let's go to the next picture. Same thing, is that the same thing? They're they're very they're very similar. Keep going. Let's go to another. Now here's another. This is another uh picture. This is the same house. I'm in the kitchen here. The artist, the architect provided these window seats, these beautiful window seats and these beautiful windows. And you can just sit there and it lends itself to a kind of uh intimacy. And that's the moment I'm sharing with Poppy here. Poppy is two years old uh her mother is taking the picture with her cell phone, and it's a moment. It's suddenly a moment where uh, do, you, do you have the other one? Yeah this is not that moment. this is a different moment, but there's a focus here because suddenly now we're looking at uh, Allegra instead of each other. but you go back to that other one back to the one we just saw and there's something special about this because Allegra, uh is a genius at capturing the right moment. I mean this is this is part of what you have to be to be a photographer. You have to capture the right moment and there it was it lasted for maybe a couple seconds we're looking at each other. She's trying to figure me out, I'm trying to figure her out. We got this beautiful background, the architecture allows us to have this moment and it, it, it's beautiful. But it's not it, it's just a moment. You captured the moment. Is it is it a transcendental moment? I don't know. Maybe sort of. Depends on what you mean by that. But it, it it's we are, in a sense, part of this house here. And this is the whole part of the point of what I'm trying to make about this the story that I wrote about this house is that the house engenders moments like this. The house engenders transcendental moments because it's beautiful. And beauty is a transcendental. And beauty leads us to contemplate things that are uh, higher than nature, although they are based in nature. Obviously based in nature, but higher than nature, where something, some moment, when all of this stuff comes together in a moment that is uh, superior, like the next picture. Let's go past, past that one. Now, this is stunning. Okay, you got this picture. Now, this is what I'm talking about here. This is outside now. You're going outside. There's a like a patio kind of balcony out there. You can see that uh, the Pacific in the back and what you can see, I said art is imitation of nature. You've got art and nature here bringing it together, focusing everything. Focusing, this is a wall that's obviously uh built by man. You can see back there, on the other side of the ravine, there are cliffs. This wall is an imitation of those cliffs. This is part of the beauty of the D.L. James House that I could, if we had more pictures, I could show you. Uh, But this is some indication of how you, this man, uh, uh, Charles Sumner Green, the architect, he and his brother moved to California and they're struck with this moment of opportunity. They studied Architecture at MIT. And it was the Beaux-Arts tradition, which meant you basically built a fancy Greek temple. And all your big buildings were fancy Greek temples. And they started to think, well, maybe this is not really American, is it? I mean, it's beautiful, but is it American? Shouldn't we have an American type of architecture? And they went to Pasadena because their parents were there in retirement. And they suddenly saw the opportunity to create an American form of art. And it was the bungalow they became famous for the arts and crafts bungalow and they got a clientele and they built great houses in Pasadena like the Gamble house which you can visit now uh, which are not like this house at all because it's a different environment Pasadena is not on a cliff overlooking the northern pacific it's, it's about 350 miles south of there which is a different different environment So they became famous for because of the beauty, but they also got gained a reputation that they were too expensive and too slow, and so as a result, they started to lose commissions. After about 1909, they started to losing commissions, and Charles, who was a kind of genius, a kind of a tragic American figure, had to do some work. Up by San Francisco, on the way back, he stopped into Carmel and he discovered an artist colony there. And he thought, I'm going to become an artist, maybe painting, maybe writing, I'll become a writer. So he sits down there and he never really became a writer, but while he was sitting there, a guy came to him and said, I just bought a property here, I'd like you to see it, what do you think? And that was that property where where my wife and I are standing there. And he sat there for a, a year, just looking at it what is what is this property trying to tell me? This is a profoundly uh, Catholic idea, Christian idea. he wasn't a Catholic. if he if you read the books on him he talks about Buddhism, this is not Buddhism. this is the idea that existence calls forth essence, which is a complete reversal of what Plato would have said. If Plato were the architect here, he would have put a Greek temple on the spot and it would have been significant. it would have been beautiful. But it's not American, and it wouldn't have been a great work of art like the the James House. Let's go to the next picture. Now, here is this picture is I would say fundamentally different than the one you just saw, and it was because of the moment. Now, I as I said to you, I began by saying that uh, you can't have photography as art because it's a machine. And you can't have a machine cre- doing what the mind only the mind can do. But this isn't just a machine that we're dealing with here. Okay, first of all, there's that tree. And uh, that tree is God's work of art. God is an artist, something Plato never knew because he thought the world was eternal. He didn't know there was such a thing as creation. As soon as the idea of creation became common throughout the West, God became an artist and you became godlike because you were imitating God's creation. And that's what's going on here. So you see this this is a wall here and this is the bluff here. And they par- they parallel each other. This is the wall imitating the bluff. And the tree is here in the middle of it unifying the thing structurally bringing kind of uh, art, culture, and nature together here simply because of the tree. But the most important thing here is the light. This is sundown. This is when I was in Iran uh, the first time. I got to, I met uh, Majid Majidi, the famous Iranian director, in the middle of the desert, halfway between Qom and Tehran, on the movie set for his great film, uh, I think it's called the Prophet about Muhammad. And he said, You wait all day for this moment. He called it the golden hour, where the sun is going down, and when we were there, we're in the middle of the sandstone, and the sandstone just started to glow. Well, the light here is the main factor unifying this picture. The light is, this is, the version I'm looking at is not as powerful as the one I have on my other computer, but you can sort of see that the light here is unifying the picture. That's what light does. I've had the experience, like, on those walks in the winter, it's it's the exact opposite kind of light. It's twilight, but it's winter twilight, and it's a long twilight, and it's this gray-blue light that unifies everything. And if I were an artist, I'd sat, put my easel down there, and I would hurry up and paint it because you have about five minutes to do it. And obviously, you can't do it in five minutes. And so, therefore, this is where the art comes in. Only the art can the art can capture that. So, but it, there's even more drama here. So you remember it's it's me and my wife again. But this is different. This is a different moment. And as I said, Allegra's like, was a genius at capturing the moment. So, look at the figures now. This is a couple who have been married for 53 years, had 53 years of experiences together. Okay. They are, uh, I guess, heading toward the sundown of their lives. So, it becomes important in that regard. And you have two reactions here. Look at the, the two figures. Look at me. I'm. Um, Looking, I'm Il Penseroso here. I'm staring down. I'm thinking. It looks like. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the past? My face is in shadow. I'm looking down a little bit, and maybe I'm meditating on the past, or whether this is evoking in me. I don't know. But then you look at my wife, and she's looking up, and her light, her face is in the sunlight. It's illuminated by the sunlight. It's exactly the type of illumination you're seeing at the in the wall, in the tree, and all of these things, and so she's looking toward a future. Maybe I'm looking toward the past. She's looking toward the future. None of this was planned. Absolutely none of this was planned, other than the wall, the tree, and the whole vista, which basically is the perfect frame for any type of drama you want to have. That was the whole point, and uh, as I said, Allegra was, had the the uh, the genius. We we knew the sun was going down. We knew it was kind of dramatic, and she was one who took the picture. That, it looks like it looks artistic to me. I don't know. Do I have to revise my idea? Anyway, this is all of what uh, uh, part of the discussion I said before. It should have been in uh, the dangers of beauty, but it was only. I've, I said even before that. I can only write. Um, Uh, Logos Rising after I've written The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, and I can only write The Dangers of Beauty after I've written Logos Rising, and I can only write the article about the D.L. James House after I've written uh, uh, The Dangers of Beauty. So it is what it is. Uh, What do you think?
0: All right, there we are. Let me get the screen. There we are. All right, we're back. All right, what do you guys think? we will open up the chat for anyone who's willing to talk to dr jones um and uh let's see you got you guys know the chat rules just be respectful <clears throat> be respectful Keep it to one question try to be on topic if you're not on topic eh we'll be all right um try to keep it on topic okay questions for dr jones involving art the dangers of beauty photography and whatnot where are we okay cable no no, who? You gotta raise your hands, guys, if you want to. Here we are, Daniel Stone. We'll let you speak. Don't forget to unmute.
2: Good afternoon, Dr. Jones. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm well, sir. Thank you. I uh, I live here in Los Angeles, and uh, Pasadena is actually a place where I kind of grew up. My grandparents were uh, just in South Pasadena, and I uh, I know the Green and Greenhouse in Pasadena very well. Been through numerous times, and uh, the Architecture is definitely one that art center students, which are, which has an architecture program close by, uh, just up up the hill from the Rose, uh, the Green and Greenhouse is part of their kind of introductory course with the architecture course. But my background is in photography. And that's why I thought it was interesting how you mentioned how photography not being considered an art form by many, which I I can agree with in some ways. um, But I think from the position of using photography to convey beauty, um, even if it's in a documentary fashion, I still think has a a chance for people to express themselves by maybe utilizing it as a tool, just like somebody could use a palette and a, you know. Right. Um, I think
1: you're. I think you're right. I think that the camera is like a sophisticated brush uh, mm-hmm. that you. It has to be wielded. First of all, you. First of all, you have to know. You have to recognize beauty. Mm-hmm. you the cat the camera cannot recognize beauty mm-hmm. you have to you have to know where to point the camera okay mm-hmm. that that that's what you have to do and and uh once once you know that you can press a button and you can get a reproduction of that image okay but mm-hmm. it's it's like a sophisticated I, I think it's like a sophisticated brush a brush yeah. cannot a brush cannot paint a picture
2: I think there's a, that's where you can also blend in many ways, the artistic abilities of the individual and you could say their ability to magnify or possibly distort beauty. And, and based on, you know, prior discussions we've had about, you know, the JQ, I've noticed having worked within the photography world here in Los Angeles, assisting people for for some years i've noticed that there are certain uh, certain particular photographers and who tend to have the the same tribal background that look at things in a particular way that non-tribe members do and the i in some ways i see some similarities to the modern art movement of you know the absolutely 19- Absolutely.
1: absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's a it's a 20th century phenomenon, and don't take it from E. Michael. Take it from the New York Times. An article appeared there. I quote it in uh, the Bangers of Beauty. Uh, photography is Jewish. The whole idea of photography or art photography is a Jewish phenomenon, and then they list all of the names, you know, one after another that basically made it. Now, why is it why is it Jewish? Why is it Jewish? Because the Jews simply do not have the patience. That let's say the Italians had and still have in uh, being becoming painters, they can't, they don't do it. They just are constitutionally incapable of doing that. You've got a machine. Why should I work when I got a machine? And so what happened here over this period of time is not like what Allegro did here. Allegro had the sensitivity. You know sensitivity for the moment. What you do if you like Gary Winograd? I don't know whether you know these names. The other names are 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 escaping. Well, if Gary goes out on the street, anything he, anything, any picture he takes is automatic art because he took it. So it's like Jewish privilege. It's -hmm. like Jewish because the Jew says it, it has to be true because the Jew presses the button. It's got to be beautiful. No, it's ugly. It's stupid, and you you don't understand what you're doing.
2: Well, and also like with uh, this last week when we were discussing about the uh, the you know the photo shoot for Vogue in uh, Ukraine with uh, another tribe member, um, Annie Labovitz, uh, you know, and I I as soon as I saw those pictures you know pop up on the web, I knew immediately who shot it. You know, her her lighting style was distinctive. But going back to the the, the painting portion of art, and I'll finish up with this. Uh, I don't want to take too long. Uh, I'm aware I'm I'm sure you're aware of Thomas Kincaid. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I I know his his art his, you know, you could say art, um even though he's been very much commercialized. I think in some ways you he's blended you could say the machine of of uh mass produced art with the origins of taking the human element of recognizing what is beautiful you could say the ethereal, you know, kind of, there's always that soft quality to many of his. Right. His soft, soft focus. It's real soft focus. But there's still that kind of that warmth, you know, I, I I've never seen a, one of his paintings that has an individual in it. It's always just like the landscape, you know, the kind of the, the house in the forest or the bridge. Right. The, right. Thing. And right. and I've never seen, Um. I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, speaking out of turn here but this to me strikes me as the christian western art something that's showing beauty showing extreme patience in creating or or reproducing that beauty and also taking uh what's in the mind and translating it so others can enjoy it
1: yeah I, all I right know. he he's called he's called the they calls himself the painter of light doesn't he doesn't he call himself that
2: I think so. I'm, I I don't know too yeah. much about himself, but I know he's been around for a long time so
1: yeah, uh, I there I have I, I agree with you. the problem with Thomas Kincaid is sentimentality as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. Now it, we all have these feel like I it, in a sense it's in that thing I just did. my cover it, it's a little bit there. We have this moment of coming home in the fall and you're walking down the street and there's home and there's the the light in the window and you get this warm feeling because you're going to come out of the cold and go into the warmth and it's beautiful uh that's one feeling but he's he's decided he's going to put every single sentimental feeling he's ever had about light about sunsets and put them in the same picture even though they contradict themselves and i think that's that's part of the problem if there's anything it's sentimentality in other words you're overplaying you're you're going for cheap emotion uh they're they're like that you know like look let's got like we got that the light in the window there and we got the sunset at the same time even though they would probably contradict each other here in terms mm-hmm. of the light the subtlety of this light would uh doesn't work with that light and what type of year time of year is it and i it's just a kind of pastiche as far as i'm concerned yeah much as i i admire all of the emotions you're you're cheapening the emotions by dumping them all together in one picture that's my feeling
2: yeah well thank you Dr. Jones for your time and blessings to you and best of luck with your book. I, uh, I hope to start my uh, my e Michael Jones collection in the next week or two I'm just doing some final saving. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank blessings,
0: you right. Good good talk Eric good discussion. Here we are. Thanks Daniel Stone. All right anyone else have a question? It can go off topic if uh, if, you, if, you, if you're not someone who's too artistic. It seems like we have a good number of people in the chat, but but there's no one right... Here we are. Here we are. All right. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Let's see. William Joyce. I think you popped up first. We'll let you speak. Don't forget to unmute. Mr. Joyce. Hello, hello. William Joyce. Nope. All right. Maybe next time. Let's see. Jakey. What do you got for us? Don't forget to unmute. Oh no. Oh yes, I want Hi to... Dr. Jones. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello. Have you read any Salmon Mushday at all? I did. You got stabbed today. No, have you nobody read, 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 read any I'm sorry, I can't hear you. It, it's it have you read a little any bit read
2: any of his books?
1: No, I haven't. <laughs> I've read essays by him but no books. Okay.
0: All right. Cool. So I'm right. all cool. right. Uh, thanks thanks Jakey. Next time. All right. Um have a good one. Thank you. Who's next? Let's see. William Joyce. I'll give you another shot. Let's see William. Are you there William Joyce?
3: Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Here we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Hi. Um how are you, uh doctor? Good. Do good. You, know, are you are you are you aware of any uh, relationship, or what, the, of a relationship between the architect Macintosh or McIntosh from Scotland and the Jewish people, or Jewish architects in Austria?
1: No, um, no. What What is the connection?
3: Well, I had heard that there was some friction between Macintosh and. Jews and Austrian Jews either building properties, building houses, designing houses in what's known now as the Macintosh style, um, and that t- t- Jews maybe claimed that they had created that style and not Macintosh. I don't know. No. I never really, heard of no,
1: this. What, what, t- what time period are we talking about?
3: Uh, Macintosh, I asked, uh, somebody else would know better. Um, I think we're talking about the late 19th century so Okay that would that maybe would make sense 20th century
1: That would make sense because the Jews had uh, were not a dominant force at all. this is late 19th century is when the Jewish question is first starting to appear they're starting to emerge as a force in the cultures uh, throughout Europe largely through their finance and largely because they have lots of money and can build big expensive houses but in terms of uh, culture no, they haven't they haven't become a dominant force. I would say uh they didn't become a dominant force until well after World War Two. Uh I did a whole piece, uh it's in it's in uh my book uh Living Machines, uh comparing Frank Gary, the postmodernist uh architect who did the um Jimi Hendrix Museum in Seattle. Uh, which looks like three trash bags sitting by the side of the road waiting to be picked up yeah. uh, compared him to Thomas Gordon Smith, the late uh, architect uh, classical architect from from uh, Notre Dame who uh, was chairman of the architecture department there for a while uh, but uh, neither of neither of them did what you could call uh, American architecture. This is why uh, the James House is so unique. Why the bungalow is so unique? Because it's an attempt to have uh, a, a serious vernacular architecture based on the conditions in America.
3: Macintosh designed the library and had it constructed in the art school in Glasgow, the Glasgow okay. Art School in Scotland. And in 2014, um, the uh, the library was largely destroyed by a fire. Uh, the cause of the fire was said to be a uh, gas from a student's um uh, something owned by a student some gases ignited and started a fire and it burnt it caused the library to burn so 32 million pounds were raised to rebuild re- recreate restore the library exactly as Macintosh had designed and built it and a week or two before it was to open um, the reconstruction had been completed um, it burnt down again more completely than ever before, and it was the, the hopeless. Hopeless, uh, with nothing left to even begin to restore. And um, the findings came out in January that the cause for the second fire was unknown. And it, it just when I when I heard about this, it just reminded me of that rumor that I had heard when I was in in, in school uh, at Parsons, and um, I had heard that there was a rift between the Jews and Macintosh. It was
1: did something replace that building?
3: I don't know what condition or what's left of that building now. Um the library was war. There there,
1: there there was a huge battle in Berlin right after the fall of the Berlin Wall. So there's going to be a huge building uh, uh spree in Berlin, and the Jews immediately got involved. Uh Liebeskind got involved, and he basically said that the cornice line was fascist. Cornice line, in other words, the, that part that unified the the facade mm-hmm. along the street. Mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. I think it was seven stories. I think no uh-huh. no one was allowed on to build higher than seven stories in Berlin. And this yeah. was Liebeskind immediately denounced it as Nazi. And once you play the Holocaust card, you win. is The Jew wins immediately. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. he got to build a a, a number of monstrosities there's the uh, the the war uh, no the holocaust memorial which is looks like a bunch of bunkers uh that yeah. are, are now is great for skateboarding uh except that the cops chase the kids away when they're because it's desecrating a jewish monument and then there's the jewish museum which looks like some type of uh prefab metal thing spaceship that just landed in berlin so they use the holocaust to intimidate the entire architectural uh culture of berlin and right. the the result is a, a complete mishmash so the best place is the uh, the uh, the bundestag if you go look at the bundestag you have the old bundestag which was the reichstag and it has uh you know classical architecture uh of german uh what is it schindler was the 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 famous german berlin architect uh anyway um Dame deutschen volk to the german people still on the front and then off to the side is the office building and they are all these modernist postmodernist uh voln machines uh machines uh and there's no coherence because there's no coherence in germany right now and we still they still haven't turned the corner where if you talk about the past you're automatically suspect of being a nazi they still haven't turned that corner and that- berlin's an expression of it
3: I could imagine a Jewish, from from Jewish point of view, looking at Macintosh's art and design and furniture design and interiors, that he would be described as German folkish fascist. Those three verbs, those three adjectives come to mind. Yeah. When I look at pictures of his work, they're folkish German, they're old time, like German folk architecture, combined with the fascist sense of order, and re- regular uh, repetition.
1: Order is fascist.
3: Yeah. Order yeah, is, order is fascist. Uh,
1: if you're Jewish, you have to spread disorder and hatred of Logos.
3: Yeah. OK. Thank well, you. I, I look forward to your, your uh, looking at Charles Rennie Mackintosh's work. It's beautiful. Good.
0: Thank you. All right. Thanks, William. Um, Who's next? Who would like to ask the doctor a question? Be on topic, be a little bit off topic, it's okay. We're having good talks here. We're learning a lot. Anyone interested? Anyone at all? I guess I guess uh I don't know. Uh did you want to did you want to mention, I guess uh, people don't know uh about what happened with Brad Pitt in the house that you're in?
1: Okay, so, well, why why am I at this house? Why am I here? Well, it's it's because I'm here because a man died, because the owner died. The man's name was Joseph Ritchie. He was a certified master of the universe. Made a lot of money in Chicago. He would do things like uh, collaborate with Steve Fawcett and flying the, uh, a world record balloon flight around the uh, around the globe. He was the logistics coordinator for that successful attempt. He flew his own airplane. He did lots of crazy stuff, and he wanted to do good with his money. And he would go uh, and got involved in Afghanistan. Wanted to bring uh, a, a man of, of Abdul Haq uh, to power. Was trying to negotiate with the CIA. And then uh, the CIA turned on him and killed Abdul Haq. And his brother was almost killed, uh, would have been killed if he gotten in the car with Abdul Haq and drove off with him because he was killed by a drone strike. So, I, I mean, the, the, the title of the article is Et in, uh, Et in Arcadia Ego. Even in Arcadia, I am present, which is I meaning death. So the only reason I was there is because someone died. And there's part. There's something tragic about this whole story. Uh, tragic in the sense that what what did what did Joe see in this house? He saw beauty. He said at one point he said that uh, it was like a, a little slice of heaven on earth. He said that because uh, beauty is a transcendental, and transcendentals are the true, the good, and the beautiful are all attributes of being and therefore attributes of God who is absolute being. So you can go there and you have these transcendental moments. So he was inspired by the beauty, uh, and his inspiration was if 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 Charles Green can do something this beautiful, then I can do something that's good. And they're both kind of tragic figures in America. Uh, Green because uh, he in order to do something beautiful he had to put himself out of business he he was uh, swept aside by the uh, in the 1920s by the Jay gatsbys of this world they lived they finally got some recognition both brothers got recognition like around 1954 right before they died and by that point you had uh this huge uh rebuilding that was going on in america uh the interstate highway system the sub the suburban buildout and the spread of skyscrapers throughout uh, the cities, all of them antithetical to what the Greens believed in. All of them antithetical to an architecture that was quintessentially American. Uh, the bungalow, the the suburban tract house, was in many ways a ripoff of their bungalow, a cheapening, a tod tawd, a toddrification, if that's a word. Of the bungalows that they developed uh, uh, in the cities, uh, if you were poor uh, at this point in time, if you were black, uh, they put you in uh, high-rise apartments called bone machine, uh What Gropius called bone machining, and, and this was like uh, the absolute worst thing you could do to sharecroppers from the South who had no experience living in cities. Uh, so I mentioned this in my book on uh, John Cardinal Crowe. The Schuylkill Falls Housing Project. When the book came out, I held a press conference uh, on the Schuylkill Expressway, right across from me, dramatically across the other side of the river, this high-rise building. And I said, This was so inhuman, it's a failed experiment, and they're going to blow it up. The housing authority is going to blow it up as proof that it's a failed experiment. So the reporter, this is kind of the inside uh <laughs> job that they're doing on me. The reporter says, No, I have the head of the housing authority and she's right here in this car and she said they're not going to blow it up. Uh this is the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I said, "Well, uh they told me they're going to blow it up." "No, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a hick from Indiana." What well, what I did grow up in Philadelphia and blah blah blah. Anyway, the story comes out the next day which is basically hick from Indiana doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh and then uh, they blew it up, <laughs> and they didn't say, "Oh." And E. Michael Jones said they were going to blow it up, and we did, and we lied about this whole thing. No, this is the th- these people in their mindless conspiracies. What did I do to deserve this? I'm flattered that you thought my press conference was deserved the attention it did, but why did you feel necessary to defend a failed experiment? I guess you're still defending this failed experiment. Anyway, this is the sort of uh, a tragedy. Of American life, so there's Green going bust because he spent all the time he sat there for a year, and then he spent three entire years at that house supervising the placement of every single brick in the wall. Well, you're going to be broke, go broke if you do that, but he was just had this kind of like Ahab or something like that. He had this fanatical devotion to beauty that basically turned into a tragedy because that was the last thing he ever built. Joe had this. In many ways, this devotion to the good. He was determined to do good. He made a lot of money. I'm going to use my money to do good. And what happens? He ends up being uh, betrayed by the CIA that he's working with. Uh, they, they, the, the catastrophe that they brought about in you know, Afghanistan might have been averted. If Abdul Haq had become president instead of that uh, the other guy who was just a, a a conduit for CIA money but we'll never know because America is a tragic adventure Hemingway said a big two-hearted river fishing in the swamp is a tragic adventure America is a tragic adventure and these two guys are main players in that tragedy
0: but what does it have to do with Brad Pitt? So
1: why (laughs) is the house for sale? Okay, it's for sale because Joe invested in a pharmaceutical plant in Rwanda. He became got a medal from the president of Rwanda, and then the Rwandan government invites Pfizer in, and Pfizer is going to bring their medicine in for free. That's what they say. I don't believe it. There's there's always a catch here and so as a result he can't get a return on his investment and so when joe dies the family has to sell the house and that's why Brad Pitt picked it up now Brad Pitt to his credit uh has a sense of what is beautiful in terms of architecture he apparently said that if he weren't a movie star he would like to become an architect and so he understood that this was uh a good It was a beautiful piece of property. He understood that. He's got taste. Give him credit. And he shelled out $40 million for it. So I got to. So the news just came out about two days after I got back from California. Uh, Brad Pitt's, they're calling it now Brad Pitt's Bachelor Pad. No, it's not that. But uh, that's the type of, uh, 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 what should I say, cheapening uh,
0: misdirection that you get from mainstream
1: media when you're dealing with something like this.
0: Do you, do you think he got a better dear, deal because you were in there? Like, does anti-Semitism, I know you can lose your job if you're next to E. Michael Jones, but but does if E. Michael Jones shows up at a building, is it, does it drop in value? The it seven Disney? Maybe they
1: can buy it back. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't buy it back. Oh, never mind. I, Bachelor I, Pat- I, the, the
1: article is going to go to Brad Pitt. Someone uh, who knows him is going to send it to him. We'll see what happens.
0: That's neat. That's neat. All right. I hope you like the article, Brad. <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's that's how it happened. All right. Uh, I mean, I, not, not many people, um, I suppose. Uh, you don't uh, have to be an architect to have a comment that's true let's see um there was a a fashy chad i guess i didn't see you raise your hand there we are all you fashy go ahead don't don't forget to unmute
2: hi doctor it's an honor to speak with you um i had a question uh, associated with a a previous uh interview that i saw you had a debate um and it had to do with is race a social construct i was one uh, what are, is your opinion when it comes to uh, variations in gray matter and brain volume between races, especially in the area of the prefrontal cortex? What, how does that play in your view that race is a social construct?
1: Has has no meaning whatsoever. The people who talk this way can't distinguish between the brain and the mind. You need a brain to have a mind but the mind is completely different than the brain they're completely different systems so it has no relevance in
0: this discussion
2: uh thank you that's all
0: i want to know i just want to know uh how how you viewed that yep that's how i view it
1: you know uh, elephants have big brains but they're not uh, human beings and they they never will be so the size of the brain is not uh, th- this. This is like this—the kind of mechanistic thinking that uh, we saw in Frankenstein. remember the uh, first Frankenstein movie. There's Doctor Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and there's a jar, and this says the brain, and this is the criminal brain. Mm-hmm. You can't have a criminal brain. I mean, unless uh, if uh, and so he puts a criminal brain, and he made the mistake. First of all, he shouldn't have put the criminal brain next to the normal brain. Anyway, you can't have a criminal brain. It's that simple. This is a, a form of materialism uh, for people who are not sophisticated enough to understand the difference between the brain and the mind.
0: There we are. All right. Um, let's see. There's only. Well, we'll keep going here a little bit. A couple more questions. We're coming close to the hour. I think we only have one one question in the chat. You want me? Actually, I'll I'll, I'll ask. Is a little bit of a transcendental, complicated question. Uh, maybe not. Uh, real quick uh, from the chat, um, from MPM. Uh, Do the transcendentals, truth, beauty, and goodness, map or connect directly to the Trinity question? So if
1: you're asking, is is truth, God the Father, and and, and uh, beauty, God the Son, and the good? I think, uh, yeah. God, no, no, they don't correspond directly to that. There are three, th- three attributes, but they don't correspond directly to uh, the Trinity. Which is uh, being, knowing, loving. That that would be the cor- correspondence to the in, in a crude uh, approximation of the people of the Trinity. And
0: those aren't transcendentals. Those are.
1: No, no, the transcendental. No. So if, if that's what you're asking, the answer is no.
0: Okay. All right. All right. We'll keep going here. Uh, bu- bu- uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do, we'll just, we'll, we'll finish up with the with the chat. There's a couple things coming up here. All right, question. Dr. Jones, you mentioned that Malachi Martin was representing Jewish interests at Vatican II. Where can I find the evidence behind this claim? And given his anti-position on Vatican II towards the end of his life, do you think he repented?
1: That's a good question. First of all, uh, you can find the evidence in the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Uh, all the documentation, all the footnotes are there, uh, based on primary documents like the Look magazine article and so on and so forth. Do I think he repented? Uh, I talked to him later in life. Um, I asked him if he ran off with Bob Kaiser's wife. That was a kind of stupid thing to say, but I did say it, and he said no. Uh, and uh, if I had known more at that time, I could have pursued the issue because the big issue was uh, not whether you ran off with Bob Kaiser's wife, but whether uh, you were working for the AJC or B'nai B'rith, or did B'nai B'rith offer, offer Bob Kaiser's wife a job to run off with you? Uh, he was he, he was he just had the, uh, the, the gift of gab that an Irishman has. And Whenever he would talk to me, he would. I was always. He was always seemed to be flattering me for some reason, which I didn't deserve. But when it came to brass tacks, like uh, I think he was intrigued by my book on Medjugorje. Uh, I don't think he followed up on it. I mean, he wasn't part of the anti-Medjugorje movement. So, uh, he is buried in Queens next to the woman he was living with. Uh, That doesn't sound like repentance to me. But, you know it's that's it's in God's hands now
0: all right pablo next uh what role have monasteries played in the synthesis of culture and nature good
1: question uh, crucial role uh first first of all uh, they are a, a culture oh. if you're talking about agriculture they were a crucial factor in the uh, spread of agriculture through the uh Danube Valley, the creation of uh, orchards and vineyards along the Danube Valley was largely the work of the Benedictines. They also were involved in copying manuscripts at a time when we didn't have photocopiers. Uh, so that was an important role. And they were basically also uh, physically, I mean, physically, you're. this is an era where you need uh, a fortress. Uh, and the monastery was often a fortress, uh, which would protect you from the barbarian invasions uh, 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 uh the vikings from the north the saracens from the south or earlier than that the german the marauding german tribes this is all benedict arrived just at the moment when the roman empire collapsed so it's after the collapse maybe uh, about a 100 years after the collapse the collapse of civilization and the replacement now of a a a the seeds of a christian culture that's going to replace uh, the Roman culture and exceed it by beyond anyone's imagination.
0: All right, next question. Uh, uh, What is the mind? You were talking to uh, Fasci earlier. You mentioned the mind. What is the mind versus the brain?
1: What is the mind?
0: Yes. The mind
1: is the operating system uh, is is your operating system it is uh, it is uh, consciousness. It is the consciousness that we have that allows us to use language. it is it is what what should I say? the mind is the software for your brain. If your brain is a computer, your mind is the software.
0: Sounds good to me. okay.
1: Let's leave it at that.
0: All right. We uh let's see. Any more guys? We're coming close. It's uh it's five fifty eight. Wait, one more question, you think? Yeah. All right. Uh from Crown. Michael J- let's see, prayer. Let's see. Uh what's uh Michael Jones, what's your thoughts on the Spanish Empire and the Eastern Roman Byzantine Empire? Any thoughts?
1: In 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 sixty seconds or less.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, One hundred twenty okay. seconds. Uh, I mean,
1: we we had to, uh, for, to just to deal with with Spain. We have at the beginning of the uh sixteenth century the whole whole new vista. The world, the new world, opens up, and Europe now is scrambling to see who's going to rule the new world, and it turns out to be a battle pretty much between. Uh, Spain and England, uh, Spain and England, and then later England and France. Uh, and Spain succeeded in colonizing pretty much Spain and Portugal, all of South America, and uh, England to North America, uh, uh, where they it entered in a, a, a battle with the uh, with the uh, with the French. Uh, the battle. Uh, the battle between England and Spain was largely fought on the seas, it was conducted by pirates. And I just saw a video saying the pirates of the
0: Caribbean were all Jewish. They were... Ju- I mean, with, with the patches is- and the legs and the earrings, <laughs> they were Jewish. Ju- well, they were hunting for gold all because that time, Because they've basically
1: been given licenses by the English crown. The English love looting. They are by nature looters, pirates, and thieves. And so they would give them letters of mark and basically they would prey on Spanish shipping and believe
0: me, that was a good idea. Well the Spanish were the ones with all the gold, right? That's what I the always Spanish
1: had all the gold because they owned every gold mine in South America, oh, yeah. every gold and silver mine in South America. Okay. And so when when you it's like in the Pirates of Penzance, you know, if you're if you're really if you're really serious about being a thief, don't rob a convenience store, you know, go for the go for steal a country. Which is what the Protestants did when they stole England from the Catholics. And then once you've stolen the country, use it as a base for even bigger theft, like sending uh, Sir Francis Drake. Why is he called Sir Francis Drake? Why did they knight this guy? He's a terrorist. He was a murderer. He was a terrorist and he was a thief. Well, because he brought back lots of loot uh, and they, he gave it to the Queen. Apparently, this is why I remember this from earlier uh, that one ship. I think it was called the Golden Hind, when he came back, when he finally ended back in England, there was enough gold and silver in that ship to pay off the entire debt of England at that time. Now, that's serious money. It's A lot of weight. (laughs) That's serious money, Uh, and this is why they were so involved in it, and the Jews were heavily involved in piracy, they were heavily involved in